This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You could be literally killed if you are uh, discovered by military soldiers patrolling around the border, you could be could shot to kill. I often stood at the school gate and cried. It was like hell. It looked like real hell. December last year, two teenagers were executed because they watched a squid game. Hello, you are listening to Proverbs with Daisy Maskell. It is me, Daisy. Welcome. This is a podcast all about extraordinary people and extraordinary stories. Here we will shine the spotlight on their journeys and hopefully learn something about ourselves and the way that we live our lives from their experiences too. Join me as we get to know our guest. This episode is an emotional one. I got the chance to sit down and speak to Timothy Cho. Timothy's life growing up could not have been more different from the one he has today. He was born in North Korea and at the age of 17, escaped only to be captured, returned and imprisoned in his home country. He is now living in the UK and is here to tell the story of his journey to freedom. Timothy, I want you to start by painting the picture for us. What is day-to-day life like for people that are living in North Korea? That's a very good question. If I look at any picture or the map on the world and see my country, it does, it's not doubting me what I should call is a very dark and prison country. So we, when we even look at it on Google satellite, it certainly shows how dark it is compared to neighboring countries around China, Japan, South Korea. But it's not only how satellite shows, but the life inside itself is quite dark. So if I give you this brief picture of these countries that they have complete information blockade and you cannot watch anything from outside, uh, you cannot read any newspaper from outside, you cannot hear anything from outside, it is completely blockaded from both inside and outside. So people have to pretend they haven't seen anything. People have to pretend they haven't heard anything. Cover your eyes and block ears. You just got pretend as a numb person and nothing it's been you have heard about from. And you don't actually have choice what to wear. As I can see, you wear a nice hat, but they don't have that choice what to wear and what kind of fashion style to choose or what hairstyle they can have. All this is quite cursed. So certain um, style, certain cloth, um, certain uh, um, design, that's all, all been told, being told from the regime what they have to do. And they cannot move from town to town, as we live in the UK, we can go from Scotland to Manchester with just train tickets, but 
North Korean people, they need travel permission from local authorities. Every single movement they want, they need permission from authorities. Having said that complete information blockade, it allows uh, anyone who watched such as um, anything from on uh, on netflix you actually get uh, punishment so uh, one example of december last year two teenagers were executed because they watched a uh, squid game this is something that we can watch on netflix as our weekend hobbit but these young people in north korea they don't have it and people do not know what a passport is and have ever imagined for foreign holidays so i remember when i was about five i asked my father i don't know why i asked this question father could i be a journalist because i want to travel around the world maybe until age five i didn't realize the reality of that country my father could not answer me when you see those if you have any nieces or any nephews they ask so many questions little kids but if you give them quiet an unclear answer they are going to think about it for all their life which that question still in, in my heart i remember it what i asked him because he could not answer me discouraged me but thankfully today i am traveling around the world not as a journalist but i speak uh, around the world and speak as a voice of the voiceless which is a great opportunity, but there are still millions of them who are locked in this prison gate. Simple picture I have, it gives me a clear picture of that and millions of people in this cage and the key is locked. So they can open it, that prison gate from inside at the moment. And this is my, what I am doing, speak on behalf of these voiceless people. And that's very brief picture of North Korea. However, I still also have to say there are uh, hundreds of thousands of political and, and, and religious prisoners. They do not expect to come out. Or even gulags, labor camps, maybe you're not familiar with this story, but uh, our grandparents and parents generation were very familiar with what was happening in, in, in the Soviet countries, those dictators put those people in those gulags because they were not listening to them or and they want to dictate them any opinions or thoughts they want to express against state or their ideas flourishing what we think about anything it is against them it meant to be end up in prison which is right now happening country like in north korea i know timothy your parents they decided to flee the country but what was going on in the country during the time leading up to them fleeing what what was what was going on in the state at that time so when i started the first year of primary school the first thing we noted was some of my classmates were not able to come to school one, one of those cases i still remember it when our teacher asked us to visit them what why they couldn't come to school so when we went few few a uh, few of my classmates and i went and knocked on their door no one could open the door so we just opened it and went inside their house literally whole family were lying down on the floor and and when i saw my friend his eyes were so swollen couldn't even open his eyes properly because they did not have enough food they collected something uh, and uh, green uh, substantial food from the field but that some some uh, the green 
plants were the collected next poison plants, so which were caused that they could uh, uh, after they ate it, they all just collapsed on the floor and just lying down like that couldn't even, not even open their eyes properly. So we came back, went back to school and told the told teacher and teacher asked us to collect potatoes, sweet corn, rice, anything what we could collect as much as we could from each student. And we brought it to his house and he came to school for a few days, but then again, he couldn't. But that was the beginning of what we call the uh, starvation was happening. Over 3 million people died in the 1990s, in 1990s. And this was what in that middle of the starvation when my parents left uh, North Korea due to political reasons. It was a very, very, how do I describe it? Grim, gray, dark. Because when you have to see things happen next to you next day morning, or it become quite normalized. It's quite horrible, actually. You become, I guess, desensitized to what is going on around you, right? Because that is, that is your that is normal to you and especially if you don't have you have no contact with the outside world did you did you know at the time when you were a child timothy what life was like in other countries or is is that completely is that is that all blocked out did you realize how bad things were in your country i guess not if you don't have any contact with the outside world i guess you think everyone's living like this right well i think you even familiar with some of these stories the modern slavery, some of them were locked in in, mm. in in their house for years. And when they came out, they didn't know what world looked like. So mm. it's it's the same story, actually. Because mm. although it was it's beautiful country, North Korea, 25 million, but country itself is it, it has composed kind of prison state. Mm -hmm. So literally, I did not know anything about outside, except for few foreign dramas and films I first watched when I was about 14 and 15 because of smugglers. So when this starvation was happening, people started across the border to China to smuggle items from China into North Korea. And in fact, China was even, it was how many, over 10 years ago, was still much, much richer than North Korea and different lives, different fashions and free economy totally. Not like North Korea, although politically is very, uh, a dictatorship society and that brought some of those foreign films i can tell you which film i first watched it was james bond film and die another day i think yeah and it was fascinating film we meant uh cover all our curtains you have to lock the door from inside and someone has to keep watch uh, 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 through the window, if anyone come inside, then we had to, we should stop it. But because of the film was so exciting, we forgot to watch out the window. Well, what happened? And I was so excited, and and I couldn't hold on it. So I shared this exciting story with one of my friends. But his friends told their parents, and that one of them was a spy. So I was actually asked to come to police station and write a few statements and given a few uh, days forced labor cleaning around the police station. But if it was happening this time, having I mentioned about two teenagers execution, yeah. I could be killed. So things have absolutely got gotten worse, would you say, in, in your opinion? Yeah, it has been, it, since my escape, it has been far more gone worse. Very interesting, this third king, that leader, young, he's a young man as well. 
because himself he know how much he can influence from outside the media watching wearing and that could be very uh, fast sweep away the culture that's why he knows how to tackle young people particularly and bring even new legislation itself when your parents did leave north korea you were regarded as part of the hostile class and subjected to kin punishment could you explain what these terms mean to anyone that may be unfamiliar with them north korea runs whole population by categorized into three different classes so the top 20 percent they are like ruling class they are the one who continue run that politics generation by generations so they call by themselves elite um, and the, the middle group they call wavering class, which I compare with middle class, about over 45%. Then another, uh, the last uh, category of the class group, around uh, 30% or maybe 28%, it's called a hostile class or enemy class. So they are the group who denied every single opportunity in North Korea. And you can compare it with apartheid system in South Africa. So they were discriminated against everything, including jobs and opportunities. There are only certain few things you can only do. Like in my case, I was told to go to coal mine, and which coal mine does not have any health and safety. And often um, the, uh, the mine collapsed and young people died or become disabled. So this was the only option I was given from that state. But what would disappoint me was that brainwashed education is very severe in North Korea from nursery age. When you start go to nursery, the first thing I remember was the Bao to Kim family picture frame. And we learn it because every single of house in North Korea have a Kim family picture frame hung on, on the wall. So you have to bow to statue. Anything you get like a New Year time, if you're given any sweet from the country, then you say, thank you, Father. It's like we that if you have a religious group, they express their thanks to God. It's the same system they have created in North Korea. Then outside, they have over 50,000 Kim family monuments. Every city's town you go there, you see that statue, you have to bow to those statues. So. They have all these uh, uh, systematic and, and step-by-step uh, indoctrination and brainwashed education. At the same time, what they told us, North Korea is the best country, best leaders, which I believed. And I completely believed. This was shocking when I first crossed the border to China, see different economy and world. It shocked me, actually. How old were you when your your parents left, Timothy? And, and what was your life like as a child at that point in time? I was nine and we had a breakfast in the morning. And I was on that day, it was strange. My parents were so easily persuading me. Oh, go and play outside. Oh, you could go to teacher's house. So innocent boy did not know exactly what was going to happen. And I visited my teacher's house and was uh, I was playing there a few hours. And then I felt something it was not right. Something was going on at home. So then I told my teacher, I must go home. So I fast ran back home and, and opened the door. The house was very, the atmosphere was very frozen, that feeling. And there was no doubt, I had that feeling, oh, they left. So because I had breakfast with them and, 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 and they even, my mom even came with me to my teacher's house and then she left me at there and went back home. So I did not hesitate 
first rented uh, a train station and train was left. And I, I think I would never forget that picture. I sat down on the train and railway and in tears. <clears throat> and, and I came home and all night, all night I cried actually. And, and around 4 a.m. I, I, I fell asleep. But I, my eyes in the next day morning, actually, literally, I couldn't open it because that much I cried because I had a, the frozen feeling of upside down world it was coming to me. A lot of scary. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really, it was quite scary. Mm -hmm. And I still have that kind of flashbacks, particularly when I watch some dramas and films when children are left by parents, it, I, I, I'm still crying for them. Um, which I don't hate them anymore, but I used to hate them a lot. And because that picture was never uh, disappearing in my eyes. Where were you living, Timothy? Did you, am I right in saying you moved in with your grandma? I, I did. Um, first few years, I had to live outside uh, as a homeless boy with all the kids and sleep under under, uh, under bridge and in train containers or on the streets and 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 begging food you know, collecting food from floor and when i then uh, grew up a bit which I, if I, when i was able to help out my grandma's farming growing food in mountains which then i started living with grandmother and i had to follow her every day to go to allotment and and grow food and which 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 was great uh, agricultural skills which i still love to grow vegetables but it, it was quite yeah um tough we had to get on trains and, and from town to town because you don't have a train ticket you have to uh, hang on that train back you know holding that line and few hours of very freezing weather yeah and these children in particular because i was a, a little a young boy and all i had around were these boys and girls Literally, there were hundreds of thousands of homeless kids because of something happened when parents left. I mean, they did not expect to leave their children like that, of course. But when you cross the border to another country without even passport, you don't know. Particularly, if we were mothers and girls, they are easily trapped by Chinese gangs and, and sold into human trafficking. They are like most vulnerable because they don't want to be arrested by Chinese authorities and someone who possesses in fact, they become the dominant and they get threats to send back to North Korea and you end up in prison. So these kids then inevitably became homeless children and died on the market, street and anywhere. This was what the consequence of the centralized uh, distribution system in North Korea. They thought the state was able to look after people, everything. But when you kill the individual's gift, talent, business ideas, this was inevitable what was happening in North Korea. And the, the hunger story is still going on in North Korea. There is sort of no sense of you being allowed to have your own identity or carve your own way out in life. It's very structured and it's set up for you. And if you stray from the template, then you are persecuted for it. Continuing the conversation on Proverbs after this short break. 
Now, if you know me, you will know I am not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. For me, the pressure of starting something new in January has seen me fail over and over again. What I like to do instead is I like to give myself a little bit of time to settle into the year so I can actually figure out what goals I actually want to achieve. Now, one of my biggest goals this year is to be able to confidently speak in a new language. And this is something that I have been trialing and failing at and also working at for a really, really long time. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think about what you're wanting to achieve. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? Now, if you are like me and one of your goals is to learn a new language, you absolutely need to get Babbel. And I'm so excited to chat to you about this. Now, in just a few weeks of using Babbel, I have progressed my language skills in ways that I have never done before. And I've been using Babbel's 10-minute lessons, which are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. What I love the most about Babbel is that it's designed by real people for real conversations. And I think this is something where I've gone wrong before. I have been learning French on and off since I was nine years old. That is over a decade and a half now. Yet I still didn't feel confident in my communication. I was learning through textbooks, but I was actually lacking that human connection in my vocabulary. Babbel's courses have helped me to learn real life conversation skills, to speak confidently and clearly in a way that locals will understand as Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent too. It's enabled me to be able to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants, all without ever having to consult my language app whilst on vacation. Now, studies from Yale, Michigan State University and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, I actually have a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, you can get up to 60% off of your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com forward slash proverbs. Now, you can get 60% off at babbel.com slash proverbs, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash proverbs. Rules and restrictions may apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. We were sent back to North Korea. I was terrified arriving in North Korea. It was like hell. It looked like real hell. Yeah, I thought I was going to be killed there. And I was so desperate, scared. I'm going to fast forward a little bit to around the age of 17, which is when you went to try and enroll in the military and they turned you away because they said that your father had betrayed the country. 
And did you see enrolling in the army as a sort of a, a small beacon of, of light that could potentially change your immediate living situations? So when someone turns around and says that's not possible, where do you go from there? So I really wanted to go to school, but because of my opportunity was really denied from young age. And also as a homeless boy, you couldn't go to school. And I remember I often stood at the school gate and cried uh, watching all the kids attend school. So I was very obsessed collecting pen and from that time, which I got a lot of pens on my desk at the moment. And I still talk about it when I give a talk in school about it. But so because of the education was denied, then my only last hope was if I was joining army, if I were joining army, I thought you could learn some kind of a specific crafting skills, how to drive cars or some engineering skills. Then I was thinking about then driving my own independent life. When this was denied, now I lost all my hope in that country. So I made determination. Maybe there is, must be a different country could be okay, which then I decided to cross the border to China. That border we call Tumen River between China and North Korea, you could be literally killed if you are uh, discovered by military soldiers patrolling around the border you could be could shot to kill or if you're lucky you cross the border say uh, uh, without any harm but my case I, I had to say it was lucky that i succeed first cross the border to china with few friends and in, and when we arrived in china and we then split up i don't know what happened to them so that's how i first arrived in china around evening it was not good feeling to cross another border to another border to another country. And now I know how many borders I have crossed until I arrive in this safe, uh, uh, prosperous, democratic country in the UK. So what I remember arriving in China, going into a marketplace around half six, getting dark, but there were so many different lights and music. And, and literally, first time I saw, I saw even young teenage girls wearing kind of high heel and skirt and all different types of hairstyles, yellow, red. I, I, I almost lost myself where I was standing. And food smell, you could, uh, you know, the exotic smell from bread and sweet boiling, all types. I felt dizzy. And that moment, I thought, wow, that whole 17 years, my life in North Korea, it was all light. Outside would be much worse than North Korea, no, much better, different light and a different hope country outside. It shocked me and I felt all that 17 years, I was a frog in the well. It's like that inside the prison gate, you didn't know what was going on. Um, but China was not safe. For North Koreans, if you are arrested, you can send back to North Korea and end up in prison or could be killed. So I continued on my journey all the way to Mongolian border, and I met other 17 North Korean refugees there. It was arranged by a broker which we followed. So we meant cross the border into Mongolia. So when you go to Mongolia, then you could find the refugee camp. From there, we were able to. Uh, get support from United Nations refugee convention groups. But unfortunately, we were arrested at the Mongolian border, all 18 people. And the youngest ages were four and six. I still remember um, Chinese soldiers were chasing us from backside and we were just, just running towards the border, but we totally even lost which way we were running, heading for. 
and they stood there and they even were uh, uh, threatening us by shooting it. The AK-47 sounds were echo all around the Mongolian field. And these kids were crying and we all stopped, could not run anymore. Um, and then we were taken to city prison a few weeks. And from there, we were sent back to all the way to the border prison again, close to North Korea for three days on, on, on the bus. We were locked up with handcuffs, both hands and, and feet, particularly for boys in case we were uh, escaping from the bus. And what was happening then after a few weeks, we were sent back to North Korea. I was terrified arriving in North Korea. When they sent you back and you arrived back in your country, where were you taken and, and what did you experience? What was quite interesting was that when they came to ask us this question, and after we arrived, has anyone in this group been to a church, met any missionaries, any foreigners, or prayed in China? Never expected those questions would come. North Korea, they have their state religion. It is only the Kim families, God, man of God. So they actually quite afraid if anyone actually met the, those uh, religious groups and missionaries. And that message would be spread around in Korea. That's why they keep them in prison camp, cannot come out forever or even being killed there. So it was very unexpected question. And with that, we now end up in a uh, prison cell. And I could only talk about uh, when I was uh, detained in my prison cell, small room, about 50 people. But all inside that detention center, I could see hundreds of people. But in my room, there was not enough space. We were um, leaning on each other's backs, sleeping like that throughout the night and days. It was very, it was like hell. It looked like real hell. You could see the blood tracks on the wall and floor. And toilet does not have any separate. You have to use the toilet alongside and giving us two scoops of noodles. And everyone looked fearful, scary, dark. And, and, and the man leaned on my back. Next day morning, I discovered him um, dead. Because I felt my back was so getting heavier early in the morning. I, I turned back and was going to tell him, could you please lean on me and less? But then his body was falling. And I felt during the night he was very hot. But I didn't realize it was caused of, uh, by, uh, of torture and starvation, lack of medical treatment. It's horrible, someone who died on your back, actually. But it, it won't go away, actually. It will not go away all my life. And particularly when his body was dragged out of the cell, there was no humanity. It just two people came in holding two le uh, one leg each other and dragged all the way out of the corridor. And you can feel what it looked like. Um, yeah, I thought I was going to be killed there. And I was so desperate, scared. But at the same time, I wanted to leave because I saw a different world outside. Maybe somewhere inside my heart, that teenager boy, he probably desperately asked for his survival. Um, I have to say I was very lucky and blessed. I wasn't killed there when I couldn't do anything much because of investigation and the process of what he went through. I was sent to my grandmother's house. And I was, uh, I meant given some treatment and which my grandmother uh, uh, 
try to give me the uh, some good and best food for my faster recovery but i knew once i recovered i would be called back in the prison to carry on the investigation because they were eager to find out why i went there who organized it and who all these 18 people were alongside i don't know what happened to them i know so far i'm the only one who now in the uk so my grandmother when i asked i need to get out from this country i will otherwise i would be killed or taken to prison camp or labor camp so thankfully she helped me and they will keep watching on me 24 7 literally from the supervisor behind my house early in the morning i managed to get out got out and someone helped him to cross the border to china again so that was my second escape to come to china and this time i went to shanghai and where i met other eight north korean refugees on a train in beijing and we traveled together all the way to shanghai we went to american school in shanghai we thought the school was able to help us unfortunately the principal later came and said to us this is not a place for diplomatic process as public school so we were arrested by chinese police and dozens of chinese police came inside the school and dragged us into police van and meanwhile tens of school students surrounded us they were watching in tears and later which i discovered that the lovely story one of the school students who wrote an email to journalists while I was in, in Shanghai International Prison. When we were sent to a police station, I thought I was there was no more hope. So literally, I even tried to commit suicide with many sleeping pills, uh, swallowed them with uh, toilet water, and I, I, I collapsed on the floor. But instead of it, it killed me. I had a very, very good sleep, actually. And I woke up, you know, feeling was so repressed. Now I ended up in a <laughs> Shanghai international prison with seven inmates, all different nationalities, and I was the youngest one. But how sweet still was. Well, of course, they came, to, they were in that prison because they were sentenced in something, they've done bad things. But all these prisoners, they were looking after me by even some sweet, because I didn't have any money there. But they had a prison bank account, which they were able to do some shopping by uh, milk powder, bread, biscuits, sweet. And there was a South Korean gangster particularly who really tried to look after me. I would never forget him. So I always simply describe it. An act of love, small things, how it could change someone's life. And that someone could so someday become the same person to carry out this role and keep the faith in humanity. Probably one of the reasons our world has been going for thousands of years and i prayed a lot in that prison i did not even know how to pray but this gangster said if you want to live maybe you could ask god if god is there and nothing else you could turn in in darkest that prison cell because you were expecting to go back to north korea and i meant to be executed and i desperately prayed like a ch children come to uh, ask for christmas santa to come to your house Really, I pray so many times, God, just please give me out, give me your freedom. You know, and something miracle happened, I have to say. About after two months, when two men visited me in the prison, I thought they were from North Korean embassy to take him back to North Korea, but they were not. One guy was a Westerner, one guy was from a South Korean embassy, and they told us, you were very lucky China made very unusual decision to deport you and your group to the Philippines. 
And then they told us about the behind the story of 13-year-olds that shouldn't wrote an email to a journalist. And that journalist urged all those international media, including uh, BBC, CNN, Washington Post, press on the Chinese government, don't send them back to North Korea because they would be killed. And those human rights and Christian groups, religious groups who read that story and news, they organized many protests in front of Chinese embassies. So it turned out some international campaign and petition itself and an act of love, it saved me. And when I was uh, leaving the prisons and all these uh, inmates hugged and they were uh, celebrating for my freedom and they were even banging the prison gate, <laughs> celebrating my freedom. It, it looked like a film. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, I miss them. I don't know if anyone listened to this podcast. If you think no, someone who went to, who was in Shanghai prison in 20, 2004, let me know. <laughs> Can you imagine what a reunion that would be, Timothy? Oh, that would be beautiful. <laughs> yeah. We were given a diplomatic passport, someone who I had never seen in a passport in my life. It was a miracle. I, something I couldn't believe it was happening. And we were sent to Philippines and, and via other countries. Then I finally arrived in the UK in 2008. What was that adjustment period like for you when you arrived in the UK? Because I know you, you, you didn't really speak English. It must have been a complete culture shock for you. And you were having to process this immense trauma that you'd been subjected to. How did you start to build a new life for yourself? Where did you start? It was quite scary. I remember when I first arrived in Manchester around 430 in the morning it's quite cold in january it was quite scary i didn't know what to do but and of course you, you did go through all that the, the the refugee when you arrive in in uk you go through that process but yeah, when i first sent to bolton and i i did not have any friends family and my english was almost zero level first thing i did um, I actually went to a church building was there and I was so curious because I prayed a lot and I still didn't, didn't know what exactly church about. So I went to church and, and just sat down there and people came and asked me but I couldn't answer them. So it, that's how I started it. And also that church was organizing drop-in center soup kitchen for homeless people. So it actually then more encouraging. I felt more comfortable with homeless people. So I asked them, could I come to the soup kitchen and washing and coffee cups and teas? And, and, and they said, yeah, welcome. So which I went there and every day, the first few months actually, and washed the, uh, uh, the dishes and made the coffee and teas. And every tea, coffee I made, I exchanged with an English word with those homeless people. So, and it made me feel something proud that I could do something about. And that's and then I started to go to Bolton College, learning English myself. Language was very important to adopt because otherwise you could not communicate. So it had that's how I started it. And, and got like entry level of English and GCSE and was going to college and went to uh, two universities later locally and Salford and Liverpool. But during that process, the most challenge I had was it felt like a baby step. You start walk and like how baby, 
start a walk. And then, yes, still, the, the, the hardest part was that my trauma and nightmares, I never thought that kind of normality of life had inside it there. It would become huge trauma later. Often I woke up in the morning, I didn't realize I was in the UK. So I had to go outside. Otherwise, I was wondering whether I was in, in a prison cell or China, North Korea. Gosh, that was a horrible picture, actually. And um, so when I eventually go outside and see the English road sign, then I realized, oh, this is UK. So I was able to go back to sleep. But it was keeping my darkness inside. At the same time, because of what I was treated and from the child, I also survived. The hatred and anger, it was deeply in, inside my heart and everywhere. So when you have this kind of darkness and hatred to yourself, you don't know who you are. You cannot find out what kind of love you can have, in fact. So this was a huge challenging process in myself um, until I laid down everything and decided to forgive my own parents first. And from that point, I was able to see what was difference and what's diff uh, beauty in nature and humanity and all the part. But one thing I was always encouraged because of my homeless background, go back to homeless people and speak to them. I felt so comfortable and which I still do that sometimes. But yeah, community support. And although I didn't have any brothers and sisters, they became kind of my only thing I had in this country. Um, without the community support, yeah, I could not overcome all the way. And I worked hard as well to get my Jesus English math and uh, English math and math and go to uh, study A level. And I still kept because of my education was most of my favorite part. I wanted to, I really want to go to university, which I did manage to go to university. But with that first essay question, borrowing many political uh, many textbooks, I, I literally sat down and cried because I couldn't understand any single of this political terminology. That's why my uh, my Salford University professor still remember it. You really worked very hard, which I am grateful. But it was worthwhile to try and to get over it. And so that testimony even itself, life in the UK myself, becomes kind of another uh, story I encourage other children to do what they can do. You know, I know it's not the best country, democracy, or even UK, US, and but there are basic opportunities are available. This is one part of my message. Try to give them hope, um, and how much we are valuable, how much we can be loved each other. And I see it makes makes me so sad and upset when I see some children, you know, grow up without parents or abandoned and which I hope more community support should be able to equip them. Otherwise you leave them alone, vulnerable, and then later they even involved in and, and using drugs and, and end up in prison cell by themselves. And this part, I always believe strongly the community support one another and love one others. Small things, how we do that. Even you stop by in front of one homeless person and offer them and bacon, butter and I mean, a warm coffee and tea that make their life change. I remember it. And I was the person at a young age, I lost my humanity, uh, my faith in humanity because the most loved people of my parents left me. Um, 
and about five years ago when I, I before I got married uh, my mother rang me for all the way from South Korea wow. she was she was in hospital actually and she couldn't speak to me directly so she asked the doctor to call me and the doctor told, uh, said well your mom has a question for you I was literally on a public bus in Manchester and the question from her was son could you forgive me that was her question and I said to her well, mom, I have already forgiven you because I couldn't hold the darkness and hatred anymore. It was really hard. I could even commit suicide myself because of the trauma and nightmares. So I told her, and I'm so happy and, and, and what my life has been going, went to universities, and now I even think about what job I'm going to be, what I want to be. This country is, is there are lots of opportunities. I told her all these things, and she literally lived two more weeks. And in, in, doctor initially said that she could die in, in the next few hours. And I attended her funeral, uh, went to South Korea, and... So nothing it keeps me now that make me upset, but still I have to continue fight myself as well against these flashbacks. It can come at any time. But what when I say to do this podcast interview with you is that I won't speak and tell anyone who listen to this podcast. It's about how much we can do far better than what who we think small act of love that changes someone's life and that someone's life can change society and the world i think the world needs to be better place than there are so many or a lot of hateful languages around at the moment that cause huge discrimination and persecution and war and conflict around the world when we look around the world at the moment there are over 81 refugees they have no homes over 40,000 refugees, women and children, they have fled their homes, not because they want to leave. It's because of these political leaders, they persecute their own people, kick them out. And that, I think that we think sometimes ordinary people, we cannot do anything against that. No, there are lots of things we can do and even talk about their story or write letter to their member of parliament. Simply, well, would you please do something for these people? Or I mean, our capacity even drop of one pound for those who are in difficult situation. Or if if someone in, in religious faith, they can pray for them or volunteer for uh, those in refugee charities or, or human rights organizations. There are about 360 million people, more far more actually persecuted simply for their faith or because of democratic views and thought instead of love and care for one another. I think that's what we need. We don't need to hate one another. Yeah. Are you happy now, Timothy? I have to say I am. And I'm a father now. I have two children, four-year-old and 12 weeks. Wow. And <laughs> if you ask me what keeps me going, why am I doing this? I think this is because of love. Even the down day, I come home very tired. I, don't, I can't do anything. But when I look at my children and they keeps me up, and then, uh, then my, of course, my reflection of my own experience, the, why some people can't do this? I can't touch anyone. But what I can t- say is that good to be is good. And something what we think is anything what we can do, some good part, good cause part, and in our capacity, we are very uh, capable hu- human. You know? 
and we have lots of beautiful parts. And we are also having lots of negative parts as a human being, you know, neglect, neglect, or hate, or use you know, nasty comments sometimes. But sometimes all these kind of negative parts can be crushed by good part or that can reconciliate. So I'm, I'm, I have hope. I still have that faith that love has uh, renewed my uh, 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 faith in humanity. And the humanity, I can see the beauty, and the beauty sees hope. And hope, I want to see better society and world, and particularly, I wish I can visit my home country someday. And I can tell proudly my children, kids, this is your daddy's country. I just think of that nine-year-old boy that was living on the streets in North Korea, if he could see you now, how incredible. You are just the most inspiring and you're, you're just the most wonderful person. You're so inspiring and you're so resilient. And the fact that you have managed to work through your trauma by helping other people is just unbelievable. The amount that you have achieved in your life is incredible. And it has been the biggest pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for your kind words. <laughs> and thank you for inviting me once again. I'm sorry about my tears and my emotions. And that concludes this episode of Proverbs with Daisy Maskell. That is me. I hope you enjoyed it. Hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And I will see you soon. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.